Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, 832. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. And me. I mean, honestly, me and you guys are bringing it to them. Sure. We bring it. You take it. It's about to get brought. Oh, there's a river that winds on forever. I'm gonna see where it leads. Oh, there's a mountain that no man has mounted. I'm gonna stand on the peak. Out there's a land that time don't command Wanna be the first you ride No time for pondering why I'm wondering on why we busted back To the ends of the earth would you follow me? There's a world that was meant for us Hello, welcome back to Fanboy Pick of the Week Episode 832, my name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host, Josh Lanigan. You know what? I'm sick of the disrespect is what I am. Wait, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a different conversation. I apologize. Hi, everyone. Sitting over there, slumped over in the third chair. Uh, he's had a week. Is Dr. Ryan Haupt. Hello. Someone <laughs> in this house is teething. It's not me. <laughs> but teeth are being extruded from gums. We <laughs> are iFanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks their favorite one we call the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other books of the week, the patron pick, the listener mail, all the fun stuff, and here's your spoiler warning. Exercise some caution, and before we get to the pick, uh, you know, last week on the show, Josh, we said, oof, not an inspiring week, tough to make a pick, hard, hard, hard week. This week, I think, was the worst week since we've been doing the show. I I'm not gonna. I don't think I can get on board with that. I can't. I cannot remember a week. It's not because the books were necessarily bad or they were fine. It's just that DC punted. They acted like it was a fifth week. There was nothing. They didn't put anything out. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was like, I have one. Yeah, one DC book. Marvel put hardly anything out. Um, you know, there's a couple of good books. It was just like I, I had eight books, and thank God I didn't have to pick. And it was Doctor Ryan because it was. I thought. Awful on the whole, not because of any specific book, just because I didn't. I was excited to read comics and I got nothing. They didn't give me anything. What happened? It wasn't the fifth week; well, it was the first week of June. I don't understand. Ryan, you the, the best pick. move is to start the show off with that. Ryan, you the <laughs> yeah. Pick. I mean, <laughs> good luck, Ryan. Save it. 
<laughs> the week I had, the comics were still a relief. Imagine that. Um, I picked for my pick of the week this week, week of all weeks, this first week of June, Avengers Forever, number six, story by Jason Aaron, art by Jim Toe, colors by Guru F- EFX, letters by Corey Pettit. I knew that both, neither of you were reading this, but I did mention that this was more or less a one shot. So did either of you check this out on the, such a no. light week? No. no. Okay, cool. No, I read the first Avengers Forever and... I, I went and there's all this stuff from Avengers that I haven't liked. I actually yeah. think, yeah. Th- okay, I think I can, I think I can pitch this book and I'll be curious if by the end of my pitch, you're uh, maybe a little more interested. So, uh, Jason Aaron's been doing kind of two parallel Avengers stories. He's got his main story in Avengers and then he's got this Avengers forever book, which is sort of crisscrossing around the multiverse. And there's this team of villains that are being led by this like weird, wood and leather clad armored doom, but he's got sort of a, a mishmash of different Marvel villains that have all been like combined into the most awful, powerful version of that villain. So there's like a red skull who's got the venom symbiote. And uh, there's a green goblin who's got the, the ghost rider spirit of vengeance in him. And um, there's all these kind of cool mashups. And this issue in particular focused on King Killmonger, who is a version of Killmonger who has somehow obtained the destroyer armor from Asgard, but it's like a weird cosmically upgraded destroyer armor. And one of the things I like about some of the characters that Jason Aaron is introducing as part of this multiverse story is that like the iconography of Marvel is so coded into my brain that like if you recolored the destroyer armor bright orange and put little dots on its shoulders and biceps, I'm kind of like, oh, is that like a celestial version of the destroyer armor? Because like the 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 symbolism, even though it's kind of just some extra dots and a different color scheme makes it seem different enough in my in my Marvel brain, which is kind of cool. And so the King Killmonger, obviously, when he goes from world to world, he's interested in destroying that world's version of Wakanda. And so the book opens with this alternate reality where King Killmonger has arrived. He is destroying Wakanda and the entire planet. And so T'Chaka and I guess I forget T'Challa's mom's name, which I apologize for. But they think the only way to save their son is to put baby in a rocket and send T'Challa off into space. And so they do this kind of cool riff on Superman, but with Black Panther and um, send him off. He ends up on Chandralar, which is the uh, homeworld of the um, that that uh, Shar? I think. Yeah, Shar homeworld. And he ends up he basically has this rocket ship made of vibranium that can then kind of morph and mold around him as he needs it to. So he's and Chandralar is uh, has this like floating neighborhoods where all the sort of lower class people live uh, where there's less oxygen because oxygen is at the surface is reserved for the, the the nobility. And so he's sort of operating as like a cool vibranium Spider-Man jumping around Chandralar and he gets a, a, a set upon by some white panthers who are King Killmonger's um, forward operating force and then King Killmonger arrives to destroy Shanwalar and like this mission that this version of T'Challa has been training for his entire life to be ready for the next time King Killmonger shows up King Killmonger is so powerful that he essentially doesn't even get a chance like King Killmonger the destroyer armor's face opens up he blasts Shanwalar and the whole city goes up in flames and the the one time um T'Challa thought he had a chance. He absolutely blows it and his suit morphs back into a ship just in time to save him from the explosion. And then he's sort of living amongst the wreckage out in space and kind of jumping from ship to ship in kind of a cool expanse way of just like, okay, it's moving at this many meters and you've only got this much fuel left and you got to hope there's fuel on that ship for you to refuel up. And um, it was kind of a cool spacefaring version of T'Challa. And then he eventually gets to confront Killmonger directly 
and he's just not up to the task. He's not powerful enough. He doesn't have the experience of uh, conquering various multiverses that King Killmonger has. And also, I think, unless it's changed recently, I remember when the Black, the first Black Panther movie came out, there was something about how, like, in a one-on-one fight, T'Challa has never beaten Killmonger, fist for fist. So, um... He obviously doesn't succeed here and he gets he gets knocked out of the spaceship and he actually gets knocked into the star that Chandralar orbits and he falls into the star and you think that he's dead. But then Robbie Reyes, who is the the um, ghost rider with the hot rod car, who is now being called the all rider. I don't so he's like the ghost rider of ghost riders. He's driving around the multiverse with a Deathlock who is dispatched by this Avenger only known as Avenger Prime. Uh, which I know how we feel about Deathlocks, but he's a minor part of the story. And he's also that got a version a, that, of... That's, that stuff was in the Avengers book. Specifically. Yeah, and then he's got a version of Tony Stark that was on this world where, like, uh, it was one of the worlds that the Red Skull had conquered, and there was, like, massive worldwide surveillance, so Tony Stark's technology drifted more into an Ant-Man direction, so he's actually Tony Stark the Ant-Man, because he's all about, like, hiding and sneaking around. And they show up around this world, and they actually manage to pull this cocoon of vibranium from the star using the, the Hell Charger... And what appears from the cocoon is this now vibranium cosmically powered up version of T'Challa known as the Star Panther, the last Wakandan, the man who will kill King Killmonger. And I was just like, man, that was cool as hell. I had a lot of fun with that. So that was uh, why it was a nice little one shot. It sort of blended the the mythology of uh, Superman and a Black Panther in a way that I thought worked and uh, didn't really push the main story forward in any particular direction, but I'm not as invested in that main story. So I just had a lot of fun reading this sort of one-off issue. That was a lot. I think there's blood coming out of my nose. <laughs> um, it's not to do through Ryan. I just, I, I, I made it a little further than Josh in this. I think I got, I think I got part of the way into issue three and I went, Nope, Nope. Um, and I'm just, I'm flipping through it six now and you know, it's, it's just not what I want. I, it's, it's like Josh said. It's like everything I didn't like about Jason Aaron's Avengers run in one miniseries. I'm kind of offended that they're using the Avengers of Forever moniker here. I just don't care. I, I see I see Deathlock and I see Ghost Rider and I, I just don't care. But I, I I mean you know the art looks good and I understand why you'd like it if you liked it as a Elseworlds kind of thing, and you're looking for like full on Marvel, you know stuff and and like i get it i get where you're at i think it just reminded me so much of all that by the way i just flipped through the book very quickly and i can't imagine how all of the things that you just described happened in these pages <laughs> i mean i was like oh that's the end i'm very good at reading comics yeah no i i recognize that you wouldn't be here otherwise <laughs> i don't know I feel disconnected to most of the characters in here, including Black Panther. I feel like that movie was almost singular in its ability to sort of like nail down a portrayal of this character. And since then, in comic books, they have tried over and over and over again to recapture that and represent it. But it's been in so many different forms that it it doesn't. Well, yeah, I mean... it's not a, this know. is not a discussion about Avengers Forever, but like, yeah, they they sent him into space, and then they, they now there's like he's not the he's not the king anymore. They're now they're a democracy, and so now he's sort of adrift. And he's you know, like, I'm still reading. I'm reading the main book right now, but I don't like it overly. I I think it's more interesting than good. But see, I, I like I like Avengers Forever more than I like the main book right now. Yeah, the main Avengers book. Yes, the main Avengers book. 
So I think that's really interesting, though, because yeah. you're probably coming at it with a different perspective, and I like that. Like, you said Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider, and you weren't mad about it. Because, <laughs> I, I, I mean, Ghost Rider is a character that I don't care about either way. Yeah, I get that. And I don't think I do either, but but that's kind of the thing. is like, I don't care about it either way, and this isn't helping. Yeah. I don't actually mind. Actually, I find him kind of interesting in that... I always go back to the Grant Morrison JLA, but he's the Kyle Rayner of that book. You know, am I supposed to be here? You know, whatever. I think there's a basic thing about the car that just seems like it's inconvenient. Like everybody shows up with their superpower or their big gun or whatever, and he's got a car. Like you can't put that in the elevator. You <laughs> it's and 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 there's a there's a wacky element about that that I kind of like, and I think that that's that's kind of cool. Is that it's his thing that he, that he has a car. But I tend to like that stuff in concept more than I like it in practice. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I like that you are bringing this book and books like this in because I think that sometimes Connor and I are sometimes too much on the same line about things like that. And, and I assume that there's people out there who uh, read this and thought, oh, that's pretty good. Why don't those guys ever like that? And, and that perspective is, is valuable. Which sounds like I'm being, uh, you know, uh, everybody gets a trophy. I, I'm not though. Like, no, no, it's it's, and, and I get to think about it in a way that I wouldn't have because if Connor and I were talking about it, we would just go, Ugh, Ghost Rider's stupid, and that would be it, and that's the problem for Ghost Rider. I, maybe it it might be, uh, you know. So there are like tropes in obviously comics are are just riddled with tropes. You know, held up a house held up on a stick yes. of sticks of tropes. And I think a trope that when done with even a modicum of uh, of like a cool idea or well executed, which Jason Aaron is easily capable of doing both. Sure. I tend to plug in and want to know what happens next. And for me, I think one of those tropes might be if there's a planet about to explode and a baby's getting put into a rocket. I want to see what happens next. <laughs> That's fair. And I that, that does track with with your thing. You yeah. know, what's interesting is that. I think I think we can fairly say it's been difficult to to be on this Avengers run for a really long time yep. and have it and and not like it because I like Jason Aaron and I like Jason Aaron's work so much that I hate saying it and I think it's very clear that like there's nothing wrong with the books they're not badly done I'm just not interested in the kind of story that he wants to tell with this and that is obviously totally fine but, and but you know it should be clear like this isn't the same thing as these books are awful and it's not that it's that type of story that's being told, just like not the thing I'm loving right now. I, and I, I will and can always respect the giant, stupid space opera aspect of everything you just said. I was like, all right, they're going for it. You know, like, like it's it's a big, uh, you know, wild thing. He's making the Superman reference. And, you know, there's a, boy, there's a heck of a lot that happens here. Intervibranium man. Uh, you know, but it is still just twists on pieces they already have and switching things in and out it's just changing blocks around what's interesting about what they've done here is you know we, we reviewed avengers forever the original avengers forever a couple of months ago for books globe um and i we'd read it before but uh we, we reviewed it right around the time this was debuting and uh, that was a whole new story you know that was different from what was happening this is just sort of an offshoot of what was already going on for the last however many years about the last 70 issues of Jason Aaron's Avengers run. So it didn't feel like a new thing. And then like Josh said at the very, very beginning, it just was mostly all the stuff I didn't like about what he was doing. 
in that run. So for me, it was just like, why are they doing this? Other than to catch But you're both still on. reading the main Avengers book, right? I yes. can't not do it. Yeah. We talked about it many times. Like I don't if it's anyone else and it's any other title, I'm gone four years ago. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, yeah. I can't not read Avengers. Which is not true because I didn't read it during Jason, uh, Jonathan Dickman's run. But I just, like I said, you know, Jason Nairn's been one of my favorite writers of the last decade. And I find, I find I'm, I'm, I'm almost reading it trying to figure out why I'm not connecting with it. Yeah, that's a really anything. good way to look at it. And I think that every once in a while there'll be an issue that we both really yeah. like. And it's always, it will always both come back and be like, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Or that, you know, so you're waiting for that feeling because you want it. Because right now, uh, you know, Justice League hadn't been great or consistent over the past however long. And if nothing else, at least Avengers is consistent. Like, I know what it is, and it's going to be those characters. But I do feel like it is it is always... It's trying to do too much, and it's not doing enough at the same time. Like, it's telling this whole mythology, and there's, like, a ton of characters, and you have a hard time going... But, you know, if we can, if we can sort of... Uh, I'll talk about it later, but then over in Captain Marvel, it's similar, but it's focusing a little more on a smaller family, and it's just been so much more original and and, uh, and compelling to me. Uh, and we'll get to that book uh, in a few minutes. And from a but, comics, whatever we are, perspective, reviewer, pundit, whatever we are, I find it fascinating that – we should, we really need to move on – is that uh, Avengers and Justice League – are both totally inconsequential books now. You know, they're trying to spin an event out of Justice League, and they, this week was the really terrible Road to Dark Crisis book, and, like, no one cares. And it just, it's, it's so interesting to me that when we started doing this show, you ha- if you were a Marvel fan, you had to be reading Avengers. You had to. And now it's just, like, it's an afterthought. I, I th- do you think the movie... Do you think the movies have done I have no that, idea. I, I, I feel like I it's know. an effect, because... They can put up that flag, that tent pole, you know, and and the comics almost can't live up to it because comics. I don't know. I think you might. I don't. I don't know. I I don't know why that is, but I feel like they're competing, and the comics in this kind of instance can't compete in that way or haven't been able to. Not can't. But let's talk about Action Comics 2022 Annual Number One. This is a tie-in to the story that's currently happening. Uh, the uh, Elseworldian Superman is off-world fighting Mongol story. This is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Cy Spurrier with art by Dale Eaglesham and Ian Churchill. And this was a double-sized issue that intercut a moment in Clark's childhood with, I guess, the origin of Mongol, or this particular Mongol. Mongol who there's, is? There's, all, there's there's an endless series of Mongols. The cur- The current Mongol. The guy who is responsible yeah. for what's going on now. So yeah, I finished this one as opposed to Batman, which I made two pages into, and I went never mind. So I actually finished reading this. Um, <laughs> wow. I was not a, not a something. happy comic reader this week. This was okay. See, I really liked this. Like, I liked it a lot. I thought it was. Did you like the Clark stuff, or did you like all of it? I like the Clark stuff better because it's familiar. But I liked the the Mongol stuff because the the fact is like I'm reading that that action comics book and I, I don't understand any of it. I don't know. I only recently figured out when they say Warzoon who they meant or what. I don't even know. It's a who or what. And 
at least it gave me some insight into sort of the the world that they're going. I think this give me con gave me context on like these characters are all about self, you know, survival and aggrandizement. They're they're and, space libertarians if they were Dothraki. Right. Yeah. And and you know You live in New Hampshire, I you should know how to deal with those people. Oh. Oh. <laughs> read the book a libertarian walks into a bear about nearby grafton new hampshire i've listened um, to the npr podcast about it because that's who i am in this, in, in, yeah. in this story where do you think i found it um <laughs> great book. uh you know in that way and it was like a big space adventure you know kind of alien i thought i was like oh this is this is fun i haven't read anything like this and it it helps me with the other book which i'm kind of enjoying but kind of don't understand you know the 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 i am I I always love Clark as youngster uh, stories for some reason. I'm I, you know provided that they're well done. Hey, uh, is it a thing that 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 uh, Ma Kent had cancer? No, and I hate that. Okay, it's, I figured you were so going to say that. I recently reread um, the novel It's Superman, which I sent to Connor way back yeah. in the day, and he did a, a mini on. And she does have cancer in that mini, and so the fact that I just reread that book, I actually felt it felt. Like it worked with that continuity uh, more so than the mainline continuity, which is funny. You know, but it, I mean, it's like they've told a thousand of these, and I, that didn't kind of bother me because I don't have to take it all that seriously. But in the context of the one who, you know, we were actually talking about this a little offline beforehand, like, you know, be the good guy. I mean, really, it goes back, it goes down, that story goes down to my favorite comic book moment in my favorite comic book is john custer telling jesse custer you got to be a good guy because there's way too many of the bads and that's what this was and if i'm a parent and i'm trying to teach my kids this is exactly the thing that i want to teach them and it's it and i thought that it played really well off the opposite thing going on in the alternate story you know where that was a good kid and he was you know, well a good kid by our standards and he was trying to help his mom or whatever and it was like no that is not how this works here and you know Clark, you know, had that moment of like, this is ridiculous. I saw, and then, you know, I like the device of the way that it started out where she, like, basically you're not exactly, she's like, I saw you blow on that ball, you know, and, and how he's affecting, cause he's a little kid. I have a little kid. I, I know what they would do. They don't think in that way. I liked that there were two comics this week that I read in which, oh, one of them was a book that we weren't reading, but uh, in Superman for all seasons is that tried to cut his hair and the scissors broke. And I was like, oh. That must be a pain in the butt. But how did he get his haircut before that? Anyway, you know. So the whole thing it. was there's yeah, a bully I, I, and the bully, you know, Clark finds out the bully, the kid who's the bully is a bully because his father's awful. Like that was all good Superman stuff. The, the, my, my whole thing is it ends up being a tragedy only because look at this guy in adult life. I mean, look at him. He's wearing Crocs. He's got pants that don't go all the way down. He's got toque on. Yeah, I know. I did, cl- I did clock him at the end of the issue being like, wait, did Clark save him? <laughs> or is he the worst human being on the planet? Kids. Uh, no. Is he? He's is it helping? Is it helping other kids to teach them yeah. soccer? He's he's, mo- he's modeling terrible fashion sense. If anything, he, shouldn't he be like, "I'm going to take this soccer ball and go home, so you you children never have to play this sport." Listen, you look at those two artists' names, and you tell me if you think that they are able to model what a cool looking person would look like. <laughs> I he's think you know Crocs. the answer to that. That's not. People wear Crocs everywhere. Actually, yeah, you know what it looks like he's wearing? He's, those aren't Crocs. Those look like jelly shoes, like right. that the dude would wear. This is terrible. But he, should have, way, he should have murdered that totally kid in the cornfield. A- Saved us all from having to see that guy walking down the street. Um, <laughs> soccer is is the beautiful game, Ryan. 
It's the most popular uh, sport in the world. It's, uh, it's I, I, I actually quite quite enjoy soccer. I was just leaning into type. Anyway, I mean, it was fine. I, it was fine. I, I thought it was fine. I do wonder how long they're going to go with this Mongol story, though. Well, I mean, John has to grow up and get married and save the world. And uh, listen, they're going to quietly shunt. Superman's going to become leader of War World, and he's going to stay there. He's never coming back. <sighs> I right now. I, you know what? Like with an annual, you never know where it's going to go. You know it's not going to blow you away. They never do. So you're either going to get a thing that's kind of enjoyable or a thing that is terrible. And this was to me was kind of enjoyable. And it was it was kind of the tone that I think I needed this week out of books. Wasn't trying to do too much. Well, I was about halfway through Captain Marvel 38 by Kelly Thompson and Alvaro Lopez and with also art by Juan Figueri. And I was like, this is issue 38 and this is the third time they've sent they've sent Carol off somewhere where they she's been zapped away. It was the very first arc where she got zapped away to that misogynist's secret um, mm-hmm. in reality. And then she got zapped into the future for one arc. And now she's been zapped somewhere else. And I was like, they've done this th- they're doing this every 10 issues. They just need a new yeah. new, new storyline. Anyway, I, this was good. This probably would have been my pick of the week. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. I was having a ton, fun, a ton of fun reading it. Like, I know what you're saying, and you're not wrong, but also, I, I enjoyed this. I, I think the humor in it is just right. Yeah. It is, it is just, it's, it's like just short of being too cutesy. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, there's a lot of people who try to be funny, and it's like they're doing an impression of somebody being funny. And I think that this book is actually funny and has good character moments. And I also really enjoyed the art in it. I thought it just had that, the acting. Yeah, Alvaro Lopez strong. has been terrific. Yeah. And, and the one and, for and, Gary and stuff like, at the end was great. The monster who comes out of the, the, you know, out of Central Park. All, you know, all good. I, I, I you know, I, I kind of never know what to expect with this book in a good way. And I kind of have always forgotten whatever happened in the last issue, too. And I was like, oh, yeah. This thing. In, in addition to this being the third time they zapped their way, this is also the second time that they've brought a person back to Earth who has to learn how to live on Earth again. They did the same. They did basically the same story mm-hmm. with her, her Cree sister. Right. That's true. I mean, I just, I'm sure, I just have to be fair. I, I really like this book. I, I, I love Spider-Woman in it. I love the relationship Spider-Woman has with Carol or not Carol here. This is the binary character that Carol manifested in the last arc. I, it's all great, like, but also I had to take a step back and go third time we've zapped her out of out of out of in reality, and also second time we've done the fish out of water. Carol's character friend has to learn how to be on Earth. Thing. Here's the deal: I didn't read those issues. You didn't like. Read those I read issues. the couple of the first ones, and then I wasn't reading it for a bit, and then you were talking about it, and I just picked it up and I read. I, I jumped in. So mm-hmm. is that what I do? I need to do that because I'm not reading this regularly. It's a great because book. it's a really great book. I'm flipping, I'm flipping through it now. The art is fantastic, Josh. You're not wrong. You you can jump in. Like jump I, in with this issue. You don't need to jump. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I you, will. You can totally. You could go back an arc. You could do it. Like I just jumped in and I was good. Like Kelly Thompson. I I mean I I don't know what kind of credit she's getting, but I am going to assume that she's not getting enough credit for this really wonderful book. Um, you know, and it, it's interesting because we were talking about how the Avengers book. I was talking about it. I was the only one who said it. You know, isn't necessarily living up to what the movies have set up. And I think this is living up to what the that Captain Marvel movie set up, you know, and, and sort of expanding on a character who I think is really interesting and underutilized. And she's getting a lot of time to really build it. Even if she's getting zapped away, we're still getting to see that character, air quotes, grow. 
you know, because uh, she's not going to grow or change. And I love the ending bit where she's basically Conan. You know, she's Captain Marvel, Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. And there's a page, page 17, where she's jumping off a cliff with a giant sword to go kill a dragon. And I was like, that page is fucking awesome. Like, yes, it is. It's just with the, sh- the her half her body is in shadow and the angle, the downward angle, but it's not completely downward. It's a little bit of a can't. Like, it's just everything about it is great. And even if I had the feeling of we've we've done variations in this already, but whatever. Like, it still is cool. You know, I still I still the next, the next page is great too. It gives you a whole um, the going and does the book with um, Brian Vaughn about the Marcus Martin. Thank you, Marcos Martin. That's giving me a whole Marcos Martin vibe there. A couple of silent pages, actually, with it, with action stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've been talking a while. This is one of the best Marvel books, for sure. Yeah. I will I will jump on. I will, I, I'm committing now here <laughs> in front of God and everyone uh, to jump on this book. Yeah. You know, I, I don't take it super seriously. I don't always remember what it is. But every time I pick up an issue, I sort of am like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm digging this, you know. And and so I've gotten to be very excited when they show up. And I think, um, yeah, it's good. A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number eight. I'm still reading this. I don't r- rightly know why. Rick Remender, Andre Lima, Araujo. That's not right. But what, it's close. Araujo. Yeah, I think actually we're pretty good there. I don't know why, Josh. It's man. I, I read this book. I read this book between my fingers. You know, <laughs> it was like oh, ah, v- yeah. visceral is a word because I don't visceral why. mostly. Follow the story. I don't know why. I, I mean, happening. I'll tell you why. I'm still reading it. One, it's Remender, and I give him a very long sure. leash. Yeah, you know, there's only, there's a couple of books of his where I was like, no, and this is getting close to being one of them. But it is so odd for him it doesn't feel like no one's talking about their feelings in this at all <laughs> oh, like, hardly no dialogue. Comp- i know but again for him that's different that's that to me is a really interesting thing benedict wong yeah is the main character for some reason yeah well I he was he started on rick's show i also remember in, that uh, deadly clash show oh yeah 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 uh the artist uh he he used to or does still does listen to our show or whatever so i feel like it's one of those the artist's like, terrific oh, and that's supported yeah, no, and he has been. So I, I go in for that, and and this is not this this issue, this story. This isn't my favorite kind of thing, but also I I thought it basically there's a really drawn out graphic torture scene, and it's yeah. bloody and and terrible and painful, and I don't like this kind of thing, but I had to be impressed by the way that it was handled. You know, mm-hmm. like the technicality of of storytelling in it, and like, oof, you really made me feel it, and I didn't really want to feel it, but respect. I mean, every issue, there's something I like. I just don't know why anything's happening. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to enjoy, really enjoy a story when I don't know anyone's motivations. You know, every character needs to want something. That's the whole point of a story, right? They want something, and there's obstacles in the way of getting it. And I don't Benedict know. Wong wants to protect this kid. Right, but I don't know why. Wants to I don't know what him. his deal is. I don't know who yeah, he is. I don't know anything. And it's at first it seemed like he was part of some network of assassins, but then like it yes. was unclear. Like, was that a mistake? He wasn't supposed to be. It was that a, a clerk's. So I wasn't even supposed to come in today, or was it he's had he a just change of heart? Like, I don't know what I don't yeah. know anything about this character. And we're eight issues in. I don't know how long this is going to go. I don't think it's going to go that long. Rick's been doing short series lately, but I just need something. But and, and like he starts living with this. 
people in the woods and that was interesting for a little bit and the teacher kind of likes him and like there was little bits here and there that i enjoyed along with besides the art which is terrific but i, I need to know some whys pretty soon you gonna read the next one yeah see you don't i do though i mean you'd like to <laughs> you'd like to but you're gonna read them all like you're in you're if i wasn't in. reviewing it is that steve bannon in the next issue it does look like, I think he was in a previous issue as well, and it was very yeah. obviously a, a Steve Bannon. Yeah, you're right. He was. Do we know, uh, I, you know, none of, I feel like none of us read news or listen to, you know, uh, the sort of promo interviews with other creators. So, like, do we know, is this ongoing? Is this limited? Does this? No idea. I mean, all, all, all image books are basically limited series. It's better for when they're, when it, they're over. It feels like 12. Yeah, and Giant Generator is Rick's imprint, right? Mm-hmm. Or is that somebody else's imprint? Okay, yeah, yeah. that's his self-publishing label or whatever. So, I, I what's the first furthest place from here? Number six. I'm out. I really? can't do it anymore. I can't. I can't do it. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why anything's ha- again. I don't know why, why anything's happening. I don't know. As much as I love Matthew Rosenberg, as much as I love the art from Taylor, do you Boss, love R- Tyler Matthew Boss. Rosenberg? Most inventor, um, <laughs> I just wow. don't. I don't know what happened. I don't know either. I don't. Again, I don't know anything. There's not enough footing in this book for me. I just uh-huh. need to know. Things just happen randomly, and there was always. Um, I think this is the first issue I just didn't like at all. Like every issue I've enjoyed, it's at least something about it, or a scene, or a character moment, or something. This just felt like all these random events happened. And I don't really like any of these characters. They're all kind I, of obnoxious. I just think I just I think I'm out. I felt actually like I had a bit of a foothold here because there was some kind of resolution near the end. Like the the lady Alabama, Arizona, something. She's a state name starts with an A. The 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 black girl who is annoyed. Mm-hmm. That's who's who has a state name starting with an A. Like she cut a deal. And sacrifice herself to do a bunch of other things. And, like, I I mean, like, I kind of know what they're going for. They're trying to find the girl. Most of the people don't really want to, but they're the family and that's whatever. But I feel like I did get a little bit of a insight into how their society works a little bit. Now, you're absolutely right. I don't feel like I'm on any better footing than I was in the first issue. And I am 100%... I'm 100% biased by the fact that I I talked to Rosenberg about this. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a typo in our script and his name is not Rosenberg <laughs> in its script. So I'm going to say Rosenberg. Rosenberg. <laughs> it's it's a it's a monumental typo. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, t- I, t- I talked to him about it and like you know, he won me over. And I liked the first issue when I read it and you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's. I, I don't think it's supposed to be super clear, and I'm. I'm trying to approach it differently because I really want to like it. I do, but I have the same reservation you do that I'm confused. I. I didn't. I didn't. I. I didn't find myself any more lost to this issue than any of the others. In fact, I think it was sort of the opposite of it. But I totally get what you're coming at. If if I hadn't talked to him specifically about it, I might have been out too. But I did. And that makes because I'm like that, you know. I, I want to, like, I, I want to figure out what it is that is good about it or bad about it. I want to understand, which isn't exactly the same as I love this. I can't stop, can't quit reading it. Right. I want to know. 
uh, Once in Future 26. I know, I, th- I think I'm the only person still in this book. It's Kieran Gillen's yeah. book with Dan Mora and a Tamara Bond villain on colors. And um, I actually, you know, there were, there, I, I think the last couple of times I've talked about it, I said I was hanging on by my fingernails. I actually think I've got a decent over the hand grip. It's still not, I'm not on top of, I'm not like standing on a ledge, but I've got some purchase with my hands and I might be able to pull myself up if, uh, if I can get a, get a toehold somewhere. So, um, Essentially, all of Great Britain has fallen into Otherworld, which is the world of the stories, which is, you know feels very high concept D. Kieran Gillen, Neil Gaiman, you know, Grant Morrison. And there's all these different Arthurs from the different eras. So we've talked about know, the Saxon Arthur and the Breton Arthur and the, the Anglican or Anglo Arthur, Anglo-Saxon Arthur. And so to keep all of them distracted, our main characters, who is this uh, main dude who's like supposed to be a Galahad type and his grandmother, who's a monster hunter and his girlfriend, who has taken on the role of Gawain, they activate Robin Hood because they need the kings distracted. And the way you distract a king is to activate the anti-king and the anti-king in this world is Robin Hood because he just goes around making life miserable for the kings. And I thought that was kind of a fun device. And it's this whole thing where like magic is interwoven with stories, which is something I think a lot of, you know, comic people like to, to, you know, wax poetic on. So there's this legend. I believe this, this is not specific to once in future where Robin Hood, when he was getting ready to die, fired an arrow and said, wherever this arrow lands, that's where I want to be buried. And then a a further uh, riff on that legend is that arrow then became the quill that Shakespeare used to write all of his plays. And in this world, uh, the play King Lear was to trap an entity known as Lair in the river where that city is. Um, So it was like Shakespeare was also part of this magical whatever. And in this issue, Green Knight shows up ready to kill Gawain, but in a year. And I don't know if you guys saw the Green Knight movie last year, but it was maybe my one of my favorite movies of last year. I I loved that movie. I did, too, but I don't remember. I don't know why. It was just it was just a a hot dude walking around with weird stuff happening. It was great. What I what I said was and I, I don't mean to distract, but what I said was if I hadn't sat there in that theater by myself and had to watch it, I would have never made it through it. But because I did. I really had to pay attention and I enjoyed it. Like I would have never made it through at home. In this issue, we get a time jump and we get to see like they've been trapped in Otherworld for a year now and we get to see some of the adventures that they've gotten up to. And grandma has a plan for how to get everyone essentially because everyone knows that they're living in a world of stories. The stories retain their power. And so she needs to get them to forget that they're in the world of a story. And so she's got this plan if they can reroute these two rivers. And once the waters of these rivers mix, the magic in those two rivers will cause everyone in Britain to forget and they'll go back to the real world. So very heady, high concept stuff. But the end of the issue is a lightning bolt strikes on Christmas Eve outside London. And the lightning bolt leaves behind a sword and a stone, which we hadn't seen with all the Arthurs we had running around up to this point. We still hadn't seen a sword and a stone before. And so I, I feel like this is meant to be sort of a tonal shift and something big is about to happen in the story. And I truly don't know what, because this this book has gone all kinds of different ways. And I've uh, as much as I've tried to follow it, and it's been great watching Dan Mora's art sing it on every page. The story itself is, is somewhat perplexing, but in a way I'm kind of still enjoying it. <laughs> I, I, I read the first six, which I really did like. But, it, you know, it's like the way you describe it is almost the way everyone describes every Kieran Gillen book is like there's really interesting ideas and concepts here. But it's very confusing and perplexing. And I saw he's just he's he's doing the next Marvel event. And I thought, well, that's going to be interesting. I don't think I would have been able to hang on with this book if it wasn't for Dan Mora's art. Dan, his Dan art is. Yeah, I love all of his characters. I love his um, I love the way it's colored, too. I mean, the colors really pop and sing in this book, too. So Tamara, Tamara, uh, Tamara Bonville deserves praise there as well. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't know how he was doing that book and Detective Comics at the same time. But it's um, crazy. Uh. And now he's doing, you know, uh, 
world's finest. I don't I don't know how he's doing all this stuff. But um Grandma kills a Woodstock Merlin with a spear at one point. It, I, I the ideas are all there. I, I I really do love all the ideas. It's just I I wish they were being conveyed in a more uh understandable manner. That's all. What can the the possible audience be for this book? It's you know, very popular. Like, everything you just described. I that's good. I mean, but how, like I just wonder like how many people you know, know are going to get the most out of it. Did you have to read any T.S. Eliot in college? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like this is for kids no. who no, this is I for theater kids who got really into T.S. Eliot whereas I was a theater kid who couldn't finish the T.S. Eliot book cuz I thought it was pretty dry. So I think that's where I fit on like I'm like just on the edge of being able to hang on to this book. But the kids who are like, oh, this T.S. Eliot wants a future king is amazing. And we're doing Camelot this year as our musical. That's who this is for. Yeah, but it's a subsect of those people who know to buy indie comic books. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the crossover there? I mean, apparently enough to keep this thing alive for 26 issues. They all found a way to Sandman in the 90s. So maybe they all found their way to once in the future. That's true. That's true. All right, those are the books we wanted to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, every patron who is a patron of this show can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, the excitement level for the week of comics was reflected in the voting in that probably the lowest voting turnout we've ever had. And the winner of this week was the by far the lowest number of vote getters a winner's ever had. Not a lot of people voted. I understand why, because it was not an exciting week of comics. This week's winner was The Closet, number one, from Image Comics, written by James Tinian IV, art by Gavin Fullerton, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and letters by Tom Napolitano. And uh, this is an image horror book, number one, from James Tinian IV. And That was a pretty um, deep sigh there, Kilpatrick, but I really <laughs> like this. As a, as a character piece... Why? Oh, hold on. As a character piece, before we got to the part with the actual closet, I thought it was more interesting as as a story of these two horrible people that should not be married to each other. I was like, well, these people are kind of awful, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting, you know, take, you know, examination. This guy's at a bar because he doesn't want to go home because he's moving and he's has been sent out for moving tape and doesn't want to go home and clearly doesn't like his wife. And we get home and we see why she's kind of awful, too. And uh, it's just everything seems awful and they've got a kid who doesn't want to go to bed because there's a monster in the closet it turns out there is actually a monster in the closet but that part I didn't really care about because whatever but um, in the first couple the first 10 pages or so I was like okay well this is kind of an interesting story about a, a terrible marriage and terrible people in it but you know once it got to the monster in the closet who's going to come with them when they move uh, I didn't really care anymore feel like that bartender given everything the guy said about why he was sitting there drinking the night away should have been like no 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 buddy like you're cut off go home like it was the fact that he just kept pouring i thought it was like, i get it man you got to make your money but um then he gave him a free drink right um i thought the art was really strong i thought yep. the character work on like how quickly you realize like oh this guy sucks and then he gets home and you're like oh like and he's like trying to lie about it and his wife is like no i can smell that you've been drinking and he like brings home the wrong tape. And I think the art was strong enough, even in the bar sequence that you can be like, that doesn't, that looks like painter's tape. That doesn't look like packing yeah. tape. Um, so just, I thought everything was set up really nicely for this conflict to ensue in the apartment where there's a, a more subtle conflict happening between the kid and their fear. And I loved the, uh, the, the advice the bartender gave about like the, so the, they, there's this thing about keeping monsters away from the kids where you need to have like unicorn piss. You have a spray bottle with like lavender yep. oil and you spray it around the bed and in the closet 
and and the whole conversation about like, well, it's not about fixing the problem that doesn't exist. It's about validating the kids feelings and not making them feel like they can't come to you with their problems. And the dad, like he gets home and he tries to do it, but everything's packed up and the dad just kind of sucks. And like, he's not good at convincing the kid that like he's trying to help. And so the kids still it's, it's unicorn piss. Let me walk over to the sink where you can see me fill this cup with water. <laughs> like, I was like, you suck, man. Yeah. So I feel, I felt really bad for the kid. And then the kids got like an alien shadow demon living in their closet. And that sucks too. I, uh, as a kid, I was super into cryptozoology and, and alien abductions and all that. And so this kind of scratched a little bit of that itch. Cause I always felt like those stories, at least the alien stuff, which this drawing of this monster kind of looks, you know, alien ish. Yeah, if it was an alien, yeah. big, big head and slender arms and short, it's a gray alien mixed with a, with a, with a xenomorph with a shadow person. Yeah. 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 And there's a whole mythology around shadow yeah. people. And I always felt like an alien abduction story should be played more for horror than for sci-fi. And so this leaned into that in a way I thought was very creepy and weird. And, um, I've actually had sleep paralysis before with the old hag syndrome. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that concept where it's like you wake up and you can't move because there's something holding you down or sitting on your chest. And in, in like Norse culture, they thought it was a witch. So it's called old hag syndrome in English a lot of times, but I've actually had this experience in my bedroom where I, my eyes open, I, can't move there's a shadow entity that walks into the room and crawls up onto my bed just like what happened with this little kid and then they're gone and you wake up and you can move again and um so the fact that this kind of leaned into that trope but maybe is introducing a supernatural element to it i thought it was really creepy and weird and good that's terrifying ryan was that was in your in your experience was that a really plain metaphor for your parents impending divorce no i mean i was already in grad school um, it typically it it tends to be triggered by extreme sleep deprivation. So it's a wonder I didn't have this happen to me last night. But um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but what I'm getting at is that like it's pretty clear that this alien is the metaphor for the thing, and they don't want to go because if you close the door, then the thing's gonna come out of the closet. And the thing is actually the parents arguing in the other room because they hate each other, and he's an alcoholic, and and she's had enough of him. I, I I expected to hate this because I opened it up and I flicked through it and I saw seven straight pages to start the story of a guy sitting at a bar talking to somebody. And I was like, oh, come on, it's comic books. And to be fair, I have gotten very judgmental about that kind of thing, but it was handled well enough that I, I was kind of interested. And uh, I don't think Tinian has kids, but that means that he did a good job sort of understanding this parent dynamic. I think the art was the strongest part of the whole thing, but I'm not interested. Like, I, it's almost like I'd rather just tell a straight up story without the alien as the metaphor right. for whatever reason. But I, I thought it was well done. But this feels like I don't know how long it's going to go on for, but you know, four issues will probably cover it. <laughs> like, if it goes on longer than that, it's going to get way into shit that it doesn't, it's not going to be worth it. Right. If that makes sense, I think. I don't know. But I, but I'm also like I'm biased. I, I, I've generally not liked James Tinian's work. I thought that he actually did a pretty good job here of not being so vague, and it wasn't just about people talking to each other about you know their feelings that don't really you don't really know what the story is. Which is interesting because you know so historically speaking, we're all big fans of slice of life comics and missed them. So that would be the thing. You know that you would respond right. to the best would be you open a book up and see a long those, conversation those in a bar. and I did. I'd say that's great. Yeah, well, I know, but I, I just think 
I think that there is a certain is where, where there's a stronger generation of comic book people who were brought up on Brian Bendis who think that they can get away with people just talking and brought up Brian Bendis and, and Quentin Tarantino who think that they can just get away with people having conversations. And I think you can't do that in comic books unless you're very, 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 very good. But I actually think I get I get bogged down in Tinian's writing a lot of time because it's overly wordy in both work, you know, dialogue and narration. Yes. This comic doesn't have any narration. Yes. And, you know, I think I read this uh, earlier in the stack than either of you. So, you know, when we were talking about it beforehand, I was like, no, it's actually a pretty quick read by Tinian standards, because sometimes yeah. I find his books to not a slog <laughs> is the wrong word. Slog is unkind. But, you know, it just it's it can be a lot to actually take one in. And this actually I thought flowed and was pretty smooth and quick okay. to get through. No, I, I agree with that. And I think that you were correct. And, and uh, going into it, that I was thinking about the fact that you said that. And I was like, oh, he's right. So I was like, know, that's all right. good. We have to acknowledge, uh, I think, that like this, you know, iFanboy has a long history of being very interested in comic books about closets. True. We want to know what's in that closet. Yeah, but it's about things going into the closet and not coming out. Mm. Well, hey, whoa, whoa, Josh. First of all, happy pride. All right. Anyone who wants to come out of the closet, you do what you got to do. But also, that was not a metaphor. Don't listen to, don't listen to old man Flanagan here. What? Let your freak fag fly, people. I want Clint to come out. The question is, what is in the closet? And clearly nothing, because he opened the door and the closet was empty. So we had that an- that question answered in this book. Ratings on the closet, number one. Ratings out of five. I'm giving it two and a half stars. Three and a quarter stars. I'm going 4.25. I really like this. That's great. Yeah. So, Ryan, are you sticking with it? Absolutely. All right. Josh and I are not. Well, I'd say that. Well, I'm speaking I'm for you. I'm going with a. I'm going. <laughs> I'm. I might. I might check out the next one out of curiosity. If in the next month either of you wake up and you can't move and you see a shadow person, will you then pick up issue two? Sure. No, but I'm going to blame you, and it's going to be ugly. It might not be a shadow person. It could be an, uh, an old woman who's a witch who's sitting on your chest. It could it, be anything. Anything in that, in that realm happens and you're getting it. could be a off. succubus. It could be a gray alien. It could be <laughs> a, a horse. Um, it could be any any manner of things. It's just got to be holding you down so that you can't move and you're terrified for your life. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go and vote to add a book to the rundown. But if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show like Dylan Cook. And Dylan Cook's superpower is that he can, much like the fabled uh, coyote, can run on air until he looks down. And then he can no longer. Oh, the the you mean the wily coyote, not just your average coyote, not Not your average coyote. coyote. The fable. Uh, well, he, I thought you meant. I thought you might have meant like Native American lore. I didn't know you meant the joke. The lore. The lore of the brothers of war. The joke. The joke is now dead. So. He can run, he gets going, gets a head of steam going, he can run off off a cliff or whatever, and keep going as long as he does not look down. Keep looking forward, Dylan. This patron power brought to you by Acme. Yep. That brings in a little power, that, that myth, I'm trying to remember which one, where he has to rescue his, his wife from the, the land of the dead, but if he turns around and, and looks, then... Uh, yep. then she gets sucked Orpheus. down. It's a little... Yep, there you go. I knew it was in, I knew it was in Sandman. Well, I mean... <laughs> I get to go last. Not Morpheus. Not Morpheus. Uh, yeah, you do, because Brian Ingram is the contractor. He can manifest duplicate copies of himself according to the Keaton rules. 
to help with projects around the house, not chores, but like actual projects. Uh, but each duplicate has only half the skills and coordination of the previous duplicate. So he, what, who, who decides if, if it's, if it's duplicate worthy? He does. He, it's, it's he, like, so if he, if, if, if Brian decides like, I need help with this project, like if, if he needs to assemble a piece of Ikea furniture and it's got like, it says, you know, like it doesn't say because there's no words, but it has like the <laughs> use another person to assemble this sleeper sofa. Then like he can manifest another version of himself. And like if Brian practiced, if Brian like went out, you know, into the into the Miyagi Dojo Garden and practiced hammering nails for a long time, then his duplicates would also get better by that amount, but halved. So he could use this to his advantage. He just has to be careful that if it's like a big job, like if he's got to tear up like a concrete driveway and put down sod and seed, like he might want four or five duplicates, but that's, you know, backbreaking heavy labor. But if it's something more delicate, like he's got to reshingle the roof, like if he's got a bunch of uncoordinated duplicates falling off the roof, like that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a problem. Now, if we say half the skills, does that also count for like bodily strength or is that just uh, intellectual? It's not str- strength, but I think they're less coordinated, like they're less like Fair. they're more likely to hit their own thumb with the hammer when they're trying to nail something. So it's in. it's going to look like if there's four or five of them, it's going to be a whole three stooges affair. I feel like you'd be you would. Uh, I, yeah. I think yeah. I think if if we're going on like my skill around the house, like I'm already like a second duplicate. I think you'd right. be very cautious about going beyond a, a fourth or a fifth duplicate, except, you know, for the most menial of of jobs. Otherwise, guys are tripping right. on bricks and then they're knocking over other things. And then the guy with a wheelbarrow full of bricks, he falls and it's right. But it's like for, but for so many jobs around the house, I feel like if I had just like one or two other people helping me, I could make a lot more progress. And it's so it's diminishing returns. But I feel like if, you know, also if like if Brian really wanted to go for it and get like his contractor's license and become like a master architect and really like lean into this, I think he could then field a crew of reasonably competent guys to get some some pretty impressive stuff done. And as he gets more competent, then therefore the the relative level of the of the dupes would yeah. also go. It's up. it's Madrock style where like once the job is done, he resorbs them and then he remanifests them for the next job. So if he's gotten better in between, then the new dupes show up better prepared as well. Fair. Fair. Uh bearded comic bro. Bearded comic bro. So all of them. Uh, I was going to say, you only have one of those in the entire patronage? Uh, no, he's the... He's the, he's the leader. Um, yeah. In the land uh, of the goatee, it, the bearded bro is king. <laughs> he's the disarmer. And what that means is that he can disarm anybody. Mm. Now, you might be thinking, but there are many forms of disarming, and I would say that's correct, and he can, he's a master of all of them. He could, for example, charm one. He could, for example, take the weapon away from somebody. Right. Or he could, in fact... Remove someone's arms. He can do all those things oh, telekinetically. He's the disarmer. Uh, to, wow. So if, if someone came at him with a knife, he could decide whether or not he's going to talk him out of the knife or to take the knife away or take the guy's yeah. arms off. Obviously, he wants to go for the talking one first. Mm-hmm. But like, say that you're having a bad week. He's like, those arms are coming right off. And he, he's just the Black Knight, John Cleese. <laughs> but he's not saying everything's okay. Because uh-huh. things are not okay. Your bloody arm's off. Oh, boy. He's the disarmer. Wow. All right. Pa- Patreon.com slash iFanboy. You can get a superpower like Dylan, Brian, and Bearded Comic Bro. Thanks for being patrons. Let's do at least one email. David from Houston, Texas says, Greetings, Jamokes, and possibly Ryan. He was right. Go, go, go power. power outhouse. He said it. It's in the email. We have to say it legally. I've been thinking about this question since at least 1997 when the Spawn movie came out. 
I'm in a comic book club with an with we're in addition to comics once a quarter we vote on a movie, an album, and a wild card that could be anything to engage with and discuss. This go around we had an electoral disaster, as happens sometimes, and long story short, we are now committed to reading the first fifty issues of Spawn, watching the ninety seven Spawn movie, listening to the film's soundtrack, and for the wild card we are watching the first season of the Spawn HBO show. What can I say? We brought this on ourselves. Anyway, as my tortured soul rides in agony through nine metaphorical circles of Spawn content, my questions are, why is Spawn popular? How is Spawn still going? Who are these Spawnites reading these Spawn comics? And is it true that my friends at LCS say that Spawn readers are essentially not comics people per se, but rather Spawn people who came in once a month for their Spawn fix? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even being flippant. Like, I missed that. I remember being, like, you know, I've said many times that, that you were Tom out. McFarlane was the... Todd McFarlane, though, I was around for him, his ascendancy at Marvel, yep. and he was the first artist who really captivated me as as a kid. And and then I was out. So you were out when Image debuted? Before that. Right, right but you were really out when just, it debuted. Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah, out okay. just before that. So I... And then when I came back in, I was like, oh, what's the... You know, and I was aware of Spawn because it was pretty omnipresent in culture. And and I, I I I didn't get it. I never did. And I watched the show, and I was like, "This looks really cool," but I don't care about it. I don't like it. And Ryan, um, you weren't born when Spawn came out. <laughs> Not true. Uh, didn't Spawn Spawn debut in the nineties, right? Yeah, yeah. I was Very in nice. existence. I feel like the comment I have about this question is like that's too many things per quarter. I, I totally 100% thought that's too much work for, for a leisure time activity. That is a stressful yeah. paragraph just to read. Uh, I think my unscientific thinking is that David's comic store people are correct, that Spawn people are almost like Sandman people. That sounds right. You know, like Sandman, a, a lot of Sandman fans, and there's obviously a lot of people reading comics also with Sandman, but a lot of Sandman fans didn't read any other comic book with Sandman. They came in for Sandman, and that was it. And I think... There's a probably a good portion of people who just read Spawn. And I'm not going to sit here. Spawn was awesome in 1993. I loved Spawn. And I even got the Marvel put out a, well, not Marvel, Image put out a tiny collection of like the first six issues. I bought that. I reread it. And, you know, it was a lot of words and some, some dodgy stuff. But it was, a, it was a really cool book when you were 12 or 13 and, and the things were happening in the comics industry. And the idea that this guy's powers were finite. And that every time he used them, it ticked down, and it, that was exciting, you know. Um, it was just, it, it was, and Tom McFarlane, as Josh said, was a huge deal, and we all loved him, and his art, and his Canadian accent, and I get it. It was cool. He didn't have a Canadian accent. He had a Brooklyn accent. That's what's fascinating. <laughs> Brooklyn Canadian. Can I t- so can I, I get it. I get it. But eventually, I just I, got, you know, moved on to other so, things. I have an unrelated but related quick story. I promise it will be fast. We were watching something, uh, like all of the, both my kids were there, and something about a baseball and somebody reaching out. And I was like, well, there's baseballs that are worth a lot of money because, you know, they happen and people caught them. They're like, really? You can just do that? And I go, yeah. There's one baseball that was worth $3 million because it was the, you know, the, the home run that broke the record or whatever. And I was wearing a Todd McFarlane Spider Man shirt. And I go, in fact, <laughs> The person who bought that ball drew this picture on my shirt. And that's when they gave up on me. But I thought it was a nice moment. <laughs> Dad's always bringing it back around to his stu- stupid shirts. I mean, I, I, have you guys both seen the movie? Uh, like the, I the feel like one? I've... The, the, yeah, the yeah, I caught... Yes. 
I've caught parts of it, but I've never sat down and like watched it. And have you guys both seen the cartoon? No. The HBO cartoon? I okay. had it at the time, but I also I remember being really excited about it and then trying to watch it and just thinking, I think this looks cool as hell, but I am not interested in it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, I was gonna say, it spawned a whole bunch of things. Like it did. It, and, you know, it, he caught fire with a certain thing and people like it, and that's fine. I, I don't hold any ill will toward spawn people. That's cool. If they like I, it and they're I, buying it, that's I, fine. The ill, the ill will I have is a spawn is a spawn person who says that in a quarter you have to read fifty issues of a comic, watch a movie, listen to a soundtrack, and watch an entire season of television. That's the thing I have an issue. Like that's the well, that's the thing I don't like about these these book club spawn rules. people. That's crazy. I know. Do they not have jobs? Other interests? I guess. I guess if you're in a comic book club, that's your main interest. So that's different. So than us. why is uh, to answer the questions? Why is spawn popular? Because he came out at the right time. It looks rad as hell and caught caught a certain segment of the you know fascination of of the comics at that time. I don't know how it's still going. I mean, Todd McFarlane seem, he's still involved in the ongoing production of the comics, right? Yeah, he does I mean, a cover, and I think he inked it for a while. He, for a while, he was inking it. I think. Here's the thing: the guy's one of the people who owns the company, so. The book can go on as long as he wants to go on. You know? This is like Savage Dragon. Like, those books can go on as long as those guys want to keep doing them. When are we getting the next issue of Image United? <laughs> you guys remember that? Remember that one? Oh, I remember uh, them getting really mad at us when we asked that question. Really? This is actually going to come out? They did not like that question. Uh, when we went to interview them at Comic-Con. It, it didn't come out. I know. We were right. We knew that. You knew that, and they knew it, which is why they were angry. <laughs> uh, this should be a quick one. Zach, also from Houston, Texas. Says, All Houston is, in the emails today. Who is the Luke Hemsworth of the Robins? And obviously the answer to that is Jason. I, I was going to say Jason. Yeah. I was going to say Duke. Is there like a, So Chris, Chris, is, Chris is Dick, right? Yes. Liam, is Liam Tim or is he Damien? Liam is Tim. Liam is Tim. Liam is Tim. Yeah. Luke is Jason. Are we out of Hemsworth? Are there more Hemsworths to assign? I assume there's a conveyor belt that just pops them out, but I'm not aware of any other Hemsworths. There might be more, but that's kind of like how the Robins are. I don't really care about any more beyond those three. They're like Brian's dupes. <laughs> yeah. Chris Evans <laughs> is is spoiler. <laughs> I appreciate like, that. Like the first one is at such a high level that the second Hemsworth is like, oh, that's pretty amazing. The third one, there's a drop off, but you know, considering your starting point, I should stop. But why is so? Why is Luke Luke Jason? I guess is the question. Why is Luke Jason? Because he's the third one. That's less. He's the least important one. But isn't Tim the third one? No, I mean in like Rob, in terms in of the, importance. In terms of importance. In terms of goodness. Yeah. Like what you want to read, who you yeah. cast. He's the least important one. All right. Yeah. What's well, also interesting? I'm looking at a photo of them. I don't, I don't, I don't mean, mean to bag on Luke at all because we had this conversation about but, – but Chris and Liam look like the same exact height and Luke is like six inches shorter. <laughs> like which, probably, which probably means that he's like 6'1". <laughs> it's probably like a normal man height. Right. I'm just saying it's just funny like Josh's dupe, dupe analogy is accurate. Like he's just a little smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's Jason. He's Jason for sure. Contact on iFanboy.com. That's what you can write in as well as for the Media Explode. We're thinking about doing a Media Explode summer mailbag. 
should we do that one? So if you feel like you've got media spill questions, uh, please go ahead and write those into contact.fanboy.com. Let's plug some stuff and get out of here. We have a Booksplode coming up, I think, this week. We'll be talking about Superman for All Seasons. Me and Josh and Paul Montgomery is going to join us for that one. So um, look forward to that, I think, this week. And then next week, I believe we haven't recorded it yet, but next week we're going to have the Animation Brain Trust. Ryan and Paul and I are going to talk about DC Showcase Constantine, the House of Mystery. And then right now, as we record this, we are under the threshold again. We came back over it, then then dipped down again. But should there be a media explode at the end of this month, the aim is to talk about Top Gun, both films or one film or some sort of Top Gun discussion. Should that should that happen? Again, patreon.com slash ifanboy is where you can make sure it does happen. And then there may or may not be a talk explode this month. We'll find I'm, out. I'm, I don't want to say anything. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Ryan, Ryan, talk about your show. I do a show called Science Order. You can find it at scienceorder.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Anything, any, anything you want to say more than that? People know. What, what, People who know know. What, what's the most recent show about? People who know know. Way to go for the way to grow the audience. <laughs> <laughs> way to take uh, our, this platform, and uh, <laughs> hell, your audience might be bigger than ours. I don't know. No, it's uh, you know, it's me and my talking to my friends about science. Uh, I, I we're a little behind on our recording and editing schedule right now, so I think the last show I plugged is still hasn't come out yet. So you know, people still looking forward to my conversation with Jake Angel Lopez Alt. It is being edited and will be out as soon as we can get it out. What what episode would you point people to who have never listened to it, and you think is a good representation of sort of the best work that you have done? It's a little older at this point, but I think one of the most fun times i had recording was episode 203 i want to say i talked to my really good friend zika who um studies california condor conservation and so it was just this really awesome conversation about like condors and conservation and hunting and lead poisoning and chelation and uh i came up i came up with i thought was a funny pun for the the theme of the show which was condor condont and um, the thing I really love about that episode in particular is um, Zika, the woman I was interviewing, is also a really talented guitarist and singer. And so, like, the song I got to use in that episode is, like, her singing about this song about, like, turtle doves. So it was, like, just birds on birds. And it was a really fun conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Zika. So um, that's the episode I might point people to. Did you have a, a prior interest in birds or was it just a thing like, all right, fine, we'll talk about it? Or was it or were you learning from it, too? Oh, I always learn because, I mean, when you talk to somebody who's when you talk to somebody who's doing like their Ph.D. dissertation research, the degree to which you have to specialize means that as much as I may have been interested in California condor restoration, the degree, the extra, you know, intricacies of the knowledge they get from actually doing it day in, day out, you you know, you can't not help but learn. And sort of I tend to our our, uh, my interview style a lot of times tends to be dumb guy in the room. So I'll ask questions that I think I know the answer to. And a lot of times I'll learn even from those questions, but partly it's just about how do we make sure that everybody listening is on the same page so that when we get into the nitty gritty, nobody feels left behind. Like they can't keep up with the the particulars because we were careful in covering the basics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll see if that gets anybody to tune in. That's people i mean every once in a while it comes up in the discord someone will be like oh i checked it out it's actually a good show and i say actually thanks oh it is a good show like i yeah. I, I don't mean to that's why I no 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 i and i you know it's just it's uh it's been like i said it's been a week so the show has has been backburnered in my mind for all the other things that are on fire yep sorry about that 
So if you want to find out about all of our shows over at Pinpoint.com and all the writing that's been over the years, including uh, bits of it from our friend Ryan here, uh, who apparently has another podcast, uh, again, get over to iFanboy.com. You can find out what the pick of the week was before the show comes out. Is? Well, I guess it was because it would have already happened. But if you want to read the book or know what the book is before you listen to the show, um, or uh, that's uh, iFanboy on Twitter or iFanboyComics at Instagram, you can follow us individually. Uh, Connor and I are on Instagram at Jay Flanagan and CS Kilpatrick. I have not been posting a heck of a lot. But if you want to know about guest stars on ER, I'm your man. Uh, <laughs> that's my move. Uh, Ryan, you are Haupt, H-A-U-P-T, on Twitter, or Ryan Haupt on Instagram. That seems easy enough to remember. You could subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash iFanboy to keep up to date with the old video show re-uploads. We are right down to it with the minis uh, there won't be too many more of those uh the new comics preview <laughs> for september 17th 2008 i can't think about something i can't even imagine something that would be less appealing <laughs> unless you were like a super fan like what what were they talking about that was coming out that week but again these shows are supposed to be timely we, we never planned it that way uh the best superman issue ever action comics number 775 I don't know if I would still call it that, but it is a very good action comics issue uh, by Joe Kelly, introducing the character of Manchester Black. That was your show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, that was that one. That one's probably worth listening to, although I'm guessing some of it will f- seem dated. So the, sh- the the books that were showcased on the new comics preview from September 17, 2008 were The Age of the Century, number one, All-Star Superman, 12, War Heroes, number two, and Godland, 25. Mm-hmm. Remember those books? Yeah, I do. Tom Scholey. If we like the show, consider leaving a review, a star rating, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can review them for this show, for Science Sorta, for any podcast you listen to, it helps feed the beast, feeds the algorithm, helps people find the show. We do appreciate it. Any show you listen to, I'd appreciate it if you give them a rating and a review. It helps everything. And even better than that's word of mouth. Tell people you're listening to the show and you're enjoying it. It helps as well. If Listen, if you're sitting in your comic book club, Talking about every possible iteration of Spawn, that'd be a good time to talk about it. Guys, I'm sick of Spawn. Let's talk about podcasts. There you go. You <laughs> we, have, we have all these other things to do. Or they go in there, they read, they do a good six weeks of research for 45-minute conversation with 12 guys. Didn't we do a Spawn episode? I don't Video remember show? that. It seems like we would have, but Spawn. I, I've also, like, I don't know Spawn, so... Oh, we did, we did that trade I was talking about. The Origins book, which is the first six issues. It was in a vault show. So we did Battlefield. I did Battlefields. Ron did Spawn Origins. And you did Unknown Soldier. All right, there you go. So two war books and a Spawn book. We know how to bring them in. The old days. Uh, There you go. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. I am Connor. I'm Ryan. There you go. That makes me Joshua Adam Flanagan of the main Flanagans. Actually, that's not true. I was the only Flanagan. I mean, not the only one. Let's talk about that. What good is living the life you've been given If all we do is stand in place I'm on a river that winds on forever Follow till I get where I'm going Maybe I'm heading to die, but I'm still gonna try. I guess I'm going home.